0: Support for the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze made possible by Big Y World Class Market, serving New England families with more than 62 locations throughout Connecticut and Massachusetts, celebrating 80 years. Big Y, proud to support WNPR. Faith here with a welcome toast. If you like to eat, drink, and be merry, you're in the right place. It was Betty Davis who said... I was always eager to salt a good stew. The trouble was that I was expected to supply the meat and potatoes as well. Betty Davis, please feel free to consume this show podcast in one bite, two bites, or oops, I ate the whole thing. I'm Faith Middleton. It's great to have you joining the party on the Food Schmooze on WNPR. My food buddies are here. Senior contributor Christopher Prosperi of Metro Beast Restaurant in Simsbury, Connecticut. Contributor Alex Province. You can get the podcast of our show so you won't miss a drop. Listen on your schedule. Sign up once and we'll send it to you every week. Go to foodschmooze.org. I am starting with Chris Crossberry because he has come up with what I think is the most amazing chicken slow cooker recipe ever, 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 because <laughs> it is it is the crazy simplest thing. It's impossible that this can work. And here it is, and the result is unbelievable, moist and velvety. Wait until you hear this. I was so excited. All right, Chris. First of all, thank you for sharing this. Well, you and know I it's... am
1: the crockpot, slow cooker kind <laughs> of guy. They
0: come up we with need new an ones. Intervention? No, they come up with
1: new ones all the time.
0: And he uses them as drawers in his socks. <laughs> no. socks they, in
1: you know one. what? I will say I had to build a, se- a separate shelving unit because they are kind of bulky.
0: All right, here's what I want to tell you: that we have on the website right now this recipe. So if you want to just race there, you can. Or at any point, you can listen to this show as a podcast or share it with somebody as a podcast. Any time you want so just go to foodschmooze.org s-c-h-m-o-o-z-e s-c-h if you get that far it'll come up okay here we go so listen to these ingredients because essentially we're going to make a raft in the bottom of a slow cooker with some chopped vegetables the most basic ones And then sit a chicken on top of that, put the lid on, and cook it. Yeah, and I think everyone gets a little freaked
1: out like it can't happen because we're used to using a slow cooker as a pot where you braise something in. So it's always got this good amount of liquid that stuff sits in. But if you look at it and see how it works, you can use this as like a low-temperature oven basically cooking the chicken at its set temperature, which is around 180 degrees.
0: Nothing is easier than this. If you have said to yourself, but I'm too busy in the morning to even put things in a slow cooker, this is the answer. And here's how it works. You chop up one onion, one carrot, and you chop up two pieces of celery. And then you just throw those chopped pieces in the bottom of a slow cooker. Take a chicken out of its bag. Take that little crazy gizzard bag out of the inside. <laughs> Don't
1: forget that. Put
0: yep. salt and pepper on it. Simple. And um, yeah, I suppose you could throw a lemon in the oh, cavity you if could, you want. Whatever you you, at that point,
1: whatever you usually do for a roasted chicken is fine. Just throw it in there. But yep.
0: anyway, you can just simply... Take that chicken with salt and pepper and sit it in the slow cooker. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be in a six or an eight-quart Yeah, slow the cooker. larger
1: ones are better because you want it to fit in there where the lid sort of but it fits it can be snug. snug. Okay. Yeah, it can be nice and tight in there. But, but the, lid, the lid to The close. lid has to close because, remember, we're not using this as a pot for simmering now. We're using this as an oven, so the lid has to be on okay. there good.
0: So, again, onion, carrot, and celery chopped up, thrown in the bottom, chicken, salt, and pepper, Put it in the slow cooker sitting on the bed. No liquid. No, nothing.
1: <laughs> it's liquid will come because the chicken has liquid in it. That and when you cook is it, it, it and will come
0: out. You put the cover on. You make sure the cover is really in place. Uh-huh. Then it, you set your slow cooker on low yeah. for eight hours. So basically when you leave
1: the house in the morning and when you come home at night, your chicken dinner is done.
0: If you're someone who loves brown skin, Chris yeah. came up with a way All to right, help so, you. But yeah. otherwise, if you're not a brown skin lover, what happens to the, the skin is just yeah, the skin creepy. is just it's got that
1: sort of like gray kind of look not pretty mm-hmm. but and this is what i found most people don't eat the
0: skin so the skin you just take off and it's, it's, and it's what soft it's soft and velvety
1: and velvety and moist. and moist why is
0: it moist with no because, liquid in there
1: because you're cooking this at such a low temperature the liquid doesn't come out of the bird the moisture gets pulled out of the bird when you're cooking at higher temperatures. So you lose ah, a lot of that moisture. But cooking it in the I slow the temperature, that moisture stays in the meat of the chicken. Wow. And it is you can eat the chicken just like that, like you, you would a chicken tortillas. dinner. Or oh my gosh, you, you can even get it to the point where it shreds or you just and slice you put it, it in up. a sandwich or enchiladas. Oh, oh enchiladas. You it's, could do anything
0: yeah. with it. Or just slice it. Or just slice it and put it on a with have some mashed potatoes. Yeah. Velvety thing. Okay now oh. here's what to do if you want to have have crispy skin because some people eat the crispy skin. I do half the time, and half the time I'm watching it. But <laughs> I do half the time, and so I would probably do this. Chris, what do you do? You take, so the, you chicken take the chicken out. out. I let
1: it, you we- know, cool a little bit so you can touch it. So t- leave lift the it out. Skin on. Leave, leave the skin on. Lift it out very carefully
0: with your hands. I
1: use a spoon where you sort of put it in the cavity, and then very carefully with another pair of tongs, lift it out onto a cutting board, okay. and then let you know some juices will come out of it. Just let it sit there for a little while just so it gets to be less hot. And then all you have to do with a knife is just very carefully cut it in half from top to bottom. And then so literally vertically. Yeah, vertically, you'll get two halves. You take those two halves, skin side up on a little cookie sheet with a rim, and then you put it under the broiler.
0: And you must watch it while it's
1: under the oh, broiler. Oh of course. It's not so much how fast your broiler is, it depends on how high your top shelf is. Is from the element,
0: so I say stand there. Yeah, so stand yeah. there, door because open. It's you know, crisp. if you've ever
1: broiled, you know, it yeah. goes yeah, the
0: door open a little crack, <laughs> yeah, and, and, and then and watch just it. watch yeah. it. Just keep peeking, keep a peeking. A minute, in, in. maybe
2: two minutes, and maybe. the
0: skin becomes crispy. Oh yeah,
2: maybe cut it in, in half first when it's uncooked. Oh, you could do that too, sure. And then, but it's going to
0: cut f- easier. Yeah, right. It just when cuts it's so cooked. easy when oh, it, it does. Okay. Yeah,
2: because it's just about. I mean, you've cooked this to the
1: point where the meat's just falling.
0: Or if you use a butcher, you could say to the butcher, I would my chicken cut in half yeah, and there yeah, you totally. go and then you would just stack one yeah. piece on but top. you know what <laughs> I keep saying this
1: I watch people eat chicken all the time 90% of the people don't eat the skin anyway so just
0: take the skin off this is so amazing now if you want to fool with this you can I might throw oh, a lemon sure. in the cavity just in uh, a piece yeah. of garlic just because yeah. that's fun or it's a sprig of rosemary potatoes but in the bottom
1: don't... and you could mash those with the chicken fat. Right? bear in uh-huh. mind
0: just bear in mind you know Chris <laughs> says well a lot of people are going to want to. Just throw those chopped vegetables away at the bottom that you're using as a raft because all the chicken, well, the wonderful juice is down there, but so is all the fat. Mm -hmm. So if you're concerned Uh, about that kind of thing, out they go. If you're not concerned about that kind of thing and you're, I don't know, are you a marathon runner? I don't know. If you You put a raft of of potatoes... And then you mash
1: the potatoes with the schmaltz, which is a fancy way of saying chicken fat.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, a
3: little chicken. sea salt
2: in there. Oh,
1: oh my
3: god. Oh.
2: Then you have the You best could use chicken. a fat separator if you wanted.
1: Yeah, and you know what? I didn't say this in the recipe, but you can also that juice that settles in there, you can defat that yeah. and make a simple gravy. Again, it doesn't come out like you if you roast it in the pan because you don't get those brown bits and mm. you know, goodness that when you roast mm. it in the oven. But you still mm. have a nice broth at the bottom of yeah. that that you could defat Reduce and make it, a it to little a little bit and make it into a gravy. Very this easy.
0: is so amazing. Yeah. So, so it's on the site that we tell you, you know, kind of roughly the size of a chicken to get, how many onions, how many carrots, how many pieces of celery. Honestly, on the way home from work, you could just bring this and chop this up even the night before and just throw it in in the morning and in eight hours when you come home from work... You got cooked chicken. It's done. And,
2: oh, like I said, it's done. More I, I, more the it's, house smells good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Chris... Do I love the slow cooker? Oh, Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that is... <laughs> (laughs) Just fantastic. I
1: just sometimes look at the shelf of slow cookers and think, what can I put in there next? And this is the thing. Think about this. If you're one of those people like I am and you like to stop on your way home from work and pick up a rotisserie chicken, and, you know, sometimes they're okay, but sometimes they're not the best chicken ever, Mm -hmm. this is a way you get the same result. You still get that whole chicken, and it's done when you get home from work, and you don't even have to stop.
0: Fantastic. Okay, here. Wanted to let you know that this is a first. Please join me and my food buddies here. For my Food signature event, a new chocolate-inspired champagne dinner dance, February 11th. Some of the region's most talented and innovative chefs have been asked to use chocolate to enhance savory and sweet dishes. The courses are a surprise. We have wines to match from Frederick Wildman & Sons' high-quality portfolio. And as to savory, mouth-watering dishes, so you're thinking, what a touch of dark jo- chocolate can lift a dish into the stratosphere. I mean, picture a cocoa-dusted steak. That dark powder produces an amazing char and flavor. Chocolate desserts, they don't need explanation. And they are fabulous at our dinner. I can promise you that. Plus, our senior cocktail contributor, Anthony DeSario has created a signature chocolate-inspired opening cocktail for this event only. Music for those who like to dance from the Alex Nakamovsky Band and Singers, Dress is festive. We leave it up to you. Surprise someone for Valentine's Day or let them know. Bring a relative or a friend. This event sells out every time, but this one, chocolate-inspired, look out. That's a
1: great idea.
0: Ticket address coming up now. Our new chocolate-inspired champagne dinner dance, February 11th, starts at 6 at the beautiful River House at Goodspeed Station in Haddam, Connecticut. Contributing chefs include Manuel Romero of Olia, Jason Sobosinski of Casius, Matthew Buffard of Chamard Winery and Bistro, Prasad Chernoubala. Of Oaxaca and Tali, and David Caudill of Salute. Thank you to all of you and that list of chefs and cocktail makers growing. Thanks to our sponsor. Yukon Health's Pat and Jim Calhoun Cardiology Center, with support from the River House at Goodspeed Station, Power Station Events, and Frederick Wildman & Sons Wine Portfolio. I hope you will join us. We'll all be there to meet you and enjoy oh, yeah. this oh. first-ever Food Schmooze Chocolate-Inspired Dinner with you. The chefs are excited, so are we. To reserve your tickets, go online for information to wnprheart to heartcom dot o r g w n p r don't forget that part heart to heart dot O-R-G. okay who uses cutting boards and i mean when you're doing a roast or a turkey or any any kind oh, of nice big one. piece of ham oh, yeah. any because i use the little one next to the sink constantly but i also have this great wood cutting board and i love it because it has a little trough around the outside edge and it has a little spout on one side where the gravy Uh and it's slightly tilted on the legs so the gravy goes down into the spout and it comes with this wooden bowl
1: that's too cool and you slip
0: it that fits under the edge of the cutting board and all the gravy goes into the bowl and then you put it in your you know the pan yeah, when you're making gravy awesome. oh my goodness i love this thing it was a gift so that's a but, great gift so on the other side of this break though i want to tell you what one of our food magazines did they decided to test all the cutting boards how much liquid did they hold in the trough did the spout work they tested them all and we're going to tell you what the winner is more mouthwatering conversation and fun ahead on the faith middleton food schmooze i hope you will make a charitable contribution to feed the hungry we're online now at food Foodschmooze.org. We'll be right back. You
3: can have the fourth position on my list. I must admit your kisses were be But how in the world could I exist without tacos, tostadas, tortillas, tomatoes? Can't stand meat, keep away from potatoes. Hot tamales, cold tamales, new tamales, old tamales. Just give me tacos, enchiladas, and beans.
1: Cornbread had a fight, Bean. beans not Cornbread out
3: of sight, Bean. Cornbread said, now that's all right, Bean. meet me on the corner tomorrow night,
4: Bean. I'll be ready, Bean. I'll be ready.
0: We have a free podcast for you, meaning you'll never miss a drop of pleasure. Just sign up for it once at our site and we'll automatically send you our show every week so you can listen on your schedule also discover the delicious food, wine, events, and cocktails we feature. We love talking with you, so stop by often and say hi. We're always online at foodschmooze.org. Thanks to our talented crew, senior contributor Chris Prosperi of Metro Beast Restaurant in Simsbury, Connecticut, contributor Alex Province, and of course we thank you first and foremost for listening. As promised, the cutting board. If you have a birthday present to give, or maybe even for that Valentine's present. Uh, If you've got somebody who wants a cutting board and it really does make a difference in terms of It's hard to use the small ones when you're cutting a roast of some kind. So, and the juice just spills off onto the kitchen counter. So, we love cutting boards that have a little trough along the outside, as I mentioned, that are the appropriate size for the meat and also not too heavy because there is nothing worse than carrying a cutting board (laughs) that is already... I mean, some of them are them right. seven to 10 pounds or
1: more of the big ones, the butcher block ones
0: by themselves. Yeah. And you try and carry a giant ham or <laughs> it's impossible. So here's what they did at Cook's Illustrated. They decided to give a whole bunch of cutting boards to the panel and rate them all. And they tested, you know, which trough on the outside holds the most liquid Does the one with the little pouring spout work? And so they went through a whole bunch of them. And so I'm just going to cut to the chase. Thank you, Cooks Illustrated, and tell you that J.K. Adams, Maple Reversible Carving Board. I like the idea that it's reversible. Mm. And by the way, Adams also makes, this is about, I think, around $70. And Adams also makes one with a pour spout in the corner. And they like that. Almost as much, but they felt the one without the pouring spout, something about the trough. Mm -hmm. They liked that one better. So there you go. I like the pouring Uh. spout myself. But so anyway, J.K. Adams, Maple Reversible Carving Board. All right, you want to do one more comfort food? If you're a comfort food nut... I couldn't resist. Here is this whole wheat spaghetti with broccoli rabe pesto. Let me say the ingredients to you. Some people, when you say whole wheat spaghetti, are going to say, oh, I don't know. I don't. But with this pesto, oh, so great, Chris. So I hearty. love the idea of pestos. So here you go. It is broccoli rabe that you blanch whole almonds that you just buzz up with some garlic in a food processor or in your blender, and some chopped Kalamata olives, some grated Parmesan cheese, a little tiny bit of extra virgin olive oil, and whole wheat spaghetti, which you can get in okay. any supermarket or food store. And really, a pot of water to just throw the broccoli rob into, the fresh broccoli rabe, it blanches in just a couple of minutes turns bright green and then you put it in the strainer and spread it out on a cooling rack or let just let it come to room temperature takes about 15 minutes Put your almonds in a baking sheet, roast them in the oven for about five minutes or so. Let those cool and chop that broccoli rabe. And in a food processor, you put a little bit of the cooking water and the chopped almonds and the garlic and just buzz it. And that gets really into a beautiful paste, just like pesto does. And then you add in your broccoli rabe and the olives and the Parmesan and then while that food processor is still running, you pour in that little bit of olive oil. You're going to scrape down the sides. For, you do this for about a minute. And it, it's going to be like a bright green paste the way mm-hmm. that basil pesto is. And then you put your pasta in And you can
1: make you, that ahead of time, too. Oh. And have lots of extra to it spread on toast. in the toast. summer.
0: So delicious. And it's I love pasta. pasta
2: is actually very good.
0: And that's from last year's cookbook, Downtown Italian. And mm. so it features... You know we're talking about the villages, in other words, the village in, and that means West Village and East Village. But let me tell you something about downtown in now the village in New York. It is so hot there now that these twin neighborhoods. You're going to think I'm kidding when I say this, but <laughs> people uptown, in other words, on the Upper East Side, are and people have money to burn. To be fair, these people are buying apartments in the village especially in the west village and the east village because it is so exotic wow. and fun yeah, and yeah. filled with now the best restaurants and such a hot scene that they are buying pied-a-terre in the downtown area in the villages and they go on the weekends on this no. to this exotic destination
2: you think wow. i am kidding but i'm not kidding <laughs> the <cabras>. out. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> look out the window Han. honestly <laughs> look at those people
0: <laughs> I don't want to I, carry a My real estate uh, yeah. pals in New York are explaining this. It, honestly, yeah. this is really... So anyway, the three restaurant people featured in the book, uh, Executive Chef Gabriel Thompson, Pastry Chef Catherine Thompson, and Joe Campanale, and they all work in the following restaurants, uh, Delanima, L'Artusi, Anfora, and Lapiccio. The recipes are, you know, when the restaurant book comes out often, these are quite chefy. And so there are many things and ingredients that we might be a bit of a struggle for us to find. But this recipe, this broccoli rub, anybody can make. And it is one of the ones that's so delicious. And the publisher said so too. So Alex, you've been making a lot of martinis lately and you've gone for the classic.
2: I just spent a week in Oregon in a cabin up in Bend in the middle of nowhere. And the most exotic thing we could find was a bottle of uh, vodka, but nothing really beats an icy cold martini if you just take a shaker and you shake the heck out of it. Walk
0: us through it. What's the classic uh, way to do it or the way you do it? There's
2: probably lots of different ways, but this is what we make daily. So you take a, a Boston shaker. It's just that stainless <laughs> steel. I'm laughing stainless. at daily. Okay, go ahead. Never more than two. a day. <laughs>
0: never but, more than daily. <laughs> never more than daily. That's the way I so do it. <laughs> the Boston
2: shaker is that shiny metal thing that comes in two parts. So you yeah. fill one of the pieces with ice, and then you just – Pour in, you know, it depends what size of <laughs> glass you have. but Or if
0: you're making for one or two. Yes, yeah, so we make four. it for two.
2: So add, you know, what, say six shots of, of good vodka. And when you make a martini, you need good vodka. So, you know, there's lots of great brands out there. But pour in your six shots. You can do a little splash of dry vermouth. Not yep. sweet, dark vermouth, but like the I dry like white dry. stuff. And you don't, you don't have version. to add this either. You probably would hardly taste it. You and can, some
0: people are so particular about that they put it in a spray bottle yeah. and spray it on the top of the martini. They or you can rinse have, your glass out with that's it. more that's a great idea, yeah. Alex.
2: a thing is, though, a you bit you a bar and you a a martini, if you ask a a a little bit of a little bit a now, we like a dirty martini, yeah, so you need a, a jar of really good olives.
0: Such as? Do you mean not, not supermarket olives? Supermarket Wait,
2: ones work. Fine. Yeah. Okay. But, you know. Big, I like the big, ones. Well, what are the ones? bad olives? Just don't well, get olives in a can. In a, not in a can. Not in a can, and then you can get them filled Unless with Unless like, they're from Spain. Yeah, those are different, but then I wouldn't put them in a martini. <laughs> okay, go ahead. So just a nice-looking <laughs> olive that, you, that you'd want in your drink. Oh, you can get them with almonds. You can get them with blue Grass, cheese. Blue right. cheese get, is good, but don't shake it. With, with if the you're blue gonna, cheese, yeah, yeah. yeah. You don't gotcha. put it in the shaker. You'll end okay. up yes. with like yeah. So a jar great of,
0: of supermarket olives is fine. Sure, and that's great. It,
2: so first, if you really want to be make a great martini, take your martini glass – Fill it with ice cubes and water while you're making your drink. Chill. And this is going to chill down your martini glass. The secret to this is making it as cold, cold, cold as possible.
0: Or in the morning, you could just throw your martini glasses in the freezer. You just rinse them first and then put them in the freezer. Yeah, They get, nice they get kind of a glaze. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, go ahead.
2: Okay, have your martini shaker... Ice cubes, vodka. You can pour a tiny little bit of that olive juice into That's your martini shaker. Dirty, right? That's what and makes it dirty, right? And how
0: much do you pour it pour in? It depends oh, well, on it's how, how, <laughs>
2: how dirty you want it. The more you put in, the dirtier it gets. And yeah. this is where we always laugh when we go to restaurants because Matt and I were always order martinis. He likes his slightly dirtier than mine. So when we, you know, when the server's asking, Matt will order like a slightly dirty martini. And I'll say, and I want mine slightly less dirty than his. And just by saying that, it makes is, is his it dirtier. dirtier? <laughs> <laughs> and Matt will always, like, kick me under the table and be like, stop saying that. <laughs> like, so this is too dirty. Yeah, because then his will come back dirty and mine will be perfect. But, <laughs> so, <laughs> so now – In your shaker, you have all the ingredients. You're going to shake, 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 shake until the outside becomes frosty cold. And then you're going to get, like, tiny little ice crystals, like little Little diamonds. My my weight staff says 100 shakes. You know,
0: that makes your bar one of the best ever, as far as I'm concerned. You can ice skate on top of the martini. People, you know, (laughs) the bar is such a a seat of action in Mm -hmm. places that – They'll do, you know, maybe ten shakes and call it's not it a enough. day, not and it's not enough. If I see that, my heart sinks a little. Yep. So I will say to the waiter, please, please tell the bartender, I want this super cold, yep. you know, as many shakes as possible, and you know, not to be a persnickety type, but just because it's just so much better. And, oh. and then I order ice on the side. If it's not
2: cold enough, it tastes like rubbing alcohol. Yeah. I mean, and I like those. I love those little ice crystals. It's part of, of uh, the enjoyment. Yeah.
0: And then you strain it out.
2: Clean out your glass if your glass had water and ice cubes in it. Dump it in, and now garnish it with two or three olives. It's perfect.
0: Alex province at home was searching for something comfort foodie and he came up with these short ribs with Zinfandel and Zinfandel has you know a lot of fruit in, it, and it's not sweet it has structure especially to go against exactly. beef but it's beautiful to have short ribs of beef against Zinfandel wine yeah and
2: Zinfandel is very very American so it's drinking something that we have heritage like the Italian immigrants that planted Zinfandel in California in the late 1800s. A lot of those vines are even still alive today. So it's pretty historic and cool to support. Okay, so go to the grocery store. Find short ribs. They always look great. They're really inexpensive. Get your Dutch oven. Put some olive oil in. When you
0: say Dutch oven. I use, like, the Le but you can
2: use... Something that's heavy-bottomed, the heavier the Dutch oven is or the stock pot, the less likely so it it's going to scorch. it be cast iron. Go ahead. And that works great, actually. So after you heat up the oil, you're going to salt and pepper the short ribs. You're going to brown them on all sides just to uh, give some flavor.
0: Can I jump in right here sure. and say, here's a mistake that I have often made. When I am browning the short ribs, in my interest of browning, I can have the heat a little bit too high Uh or keep them on there a little bit too long, and I can end up burning them. What happens is you get a slightly burned flavor Uh all the way through (laughs) the recipe. (laughs) And when you're eating them, sometimes I can't even tell, I don't even notice, but someone who really knows food Uh will say little burn on these short ribs so so you want them browned but that doesn't mean burned yeah.
1: real quick tip though you know what i've been doing lately and it's real simple is i turn on my gas grill like if i have a, if you're uh, doing a decent sized huh. batch of these i'll turn on my gas grill for five ten minutes and instead of searing them in a pan yeah. i'll just get the grill really
0: hot and i'll just mark them on the grill so but, chris i put my grill away so what would you tell me as a way to not burn my short ribs when I'm browning them? I now know because it was, you know, a cooking the, school yeah. teacher said to me, Faith, you've got a little tiny bit of burned taste in here. So I now watch them like a hawk. But yeah. what, what's a good Another tip?
1: Another good tip would be to start them on the stovetop, right? So get your mm-hmm. pan hot, put the short rib in there. And then if you have a nice heavy pot like he's talking about, cast put it, iron, cast iron, put it uh, in the oven at whatever your temperature, 350, 400 degrees. And then every Every once in a while, I just pull out the rack and turn them in there because we burn things because we don't keep the temperature on the on our stoves at a oh. nice medium heat.
0: So that would so the we get it too a, hot, yeah. It's, it's me- uh, and you're
1: going to get the searing because, especially in cast iron, that heats on the bottom of the pan.
0: <laughs> We've All already right. made this sound so complicated, but really, you, you've got these short ribs from the supermarket. <laughs> you sear them, up. and you just sear them up. All right, yes, you're, so, very, you're very lucky. So after <laughs> you burn them, what do you do? You yeah. set them
2: aside. After you brown them, <laughs> put them aside. You set and, them aside and this, yeah. in the gorgeous pan now you have all these you know it's it looks gorgeous perfectly and season throw in some onions some garlic some carrots some celery season it with salt and pepper saute it for a few minutes let go transparent try scrape off all the brown bits and then you're going to uh, add a little bit of tomato paste, which actually helps with the caramelization oh, later. Sure, yeah. mm-hmm. You can add oh. a little bit of flour that you know you sort of want to cook for a few minutes. Or
0: cornstarch if you're a gluten-free I person. Yeah.
2: I never use cornstarch. I should try. You
0: know starch. what? Chris and I do not understand why flour is used so predominantly mm-hmm. Over when starch. you could use cornstarch mm-hmm. or you could go to an Asian market and get chestnut powder. In any case, cornstarch mm-hmm. is widely available.
1: See, but cornstarch is a different... Application, I think that's why you're looking. Yeah. You're looking to get some flavor out of this flour because you're going to cook that flour to sort of make a roux. Where cornstarch, you would add after, right? You forget- add cornstarch at the end, flour at the beginning. You know what? Basically. <laughs> yeah. If you're going to do the f- cornstarch, I just like finishing it with a little butter.
0: But cornstarch, I want to point out, is neutral in flavor. Yeah, no and, taste. you know, really, flour is sort of that way, too. But if you don't want wheat in your diet. And cornstarch is so much easier to use. I bet you I'm don't, get don't to have to corn use cornstarch corn or flour. Um,
1: and I bet it would still oh, work. I use a trick that someone taught me about using cornmeal to thicken things. And then it adds a little texture or grits. Uh, so you take that ground what? corn and you put it in there and it thickens your dish, right? And it adds no. a little texture, too. But you can't coat your meat in corn. No, 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 no. You add it again once you get your – Later, liquid, when yeah, you're doing when you get, gravy? No, before that. Right when
2: you get your liquid simmering, you put the cornmeal in there and it Seriously? cooks it. Yeah, wow. I do it in my chili every single yeah, time. Yeah, chili. Now. And you could use masa flour. Plus
0: it. diabetics. They, For- you know, flour is an issue. Okay, uh, but anyway. <laughs> does anyone
2: mind if I put wine in this dish? <laughs> <laughs> May I tuck no, a bottle of wine gonna, in? You know, the thing about a- wine... We're
1: not even going to... Okay. No, keep going, so keep let, going. Let me Don't, don't mind us. No, no, <laughs>
3: let, me, let me do...
0: Hey, Faith, Faith, I think the- we're backseat cooking. here.
3: <laughs>
0: no, don't do that. Let me, do this. Let me, let me do the Reader's Digest version of this. So, Alex... Very kindly took out um, either a cast iron skillet or a a Dutch oven, as he calls it, and some oil in the pan. And he took short ribs from the supermarket or your butcher and browned them lightly on all sides until they're golden brown, not burned. And then he set them aside. And now in the same pot, he is sautéing onions and garlic and carrots and celery and he added a little bit of tomato paste which adds to the depth of the flavor and also adds to caramelization you can either at this point add a tablespoon of flour to help thicken or you can add cornstarch go ahead alex
2: and now at this point you can take a bottle of wine 750 do
0: you put the ribs back in at this point
2: yes Tastes it's a, way better if you put the ribs back in.
0: You get this pot,
1: you get this pot, of, you get this pot of gravy, you get this,
0: and, and this dipping sugar. sauce that cooks
2: for three hours. We're
3: not so gonna make good. it.
0: It can be a soup. So right, okay.
2: let's yeah. go. Let's stay right. once once on the ribs target, are added people. back I, to the uh, Dutch it, it, oven. You
0: see, you see why there is mm. a food site called the Foodschmooth dot org because you can see the. Simple <laughs> recipe. He puts the short ribs back in. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> then in goes a bottle of a a red dry, wine. Red wine. And you like a Zinfandel. In this case, you've used Ridge.
2: I didn't pour the Ridge into the uh, Dutch oven because <laughs> it's so expensive and delicious. <laughs> but you can get like a ten dollar like unoaked, simple red wine, go to your wine shop, ask for a ten dollar cooking wine. <laughs> you
0: know. <laughs> G- Julia Child used to say, use the same wine you're using in cooking. Uh-huh. As what you're drinking, because she was trying to get us not to use really crazy, expensive yeah. wine to cook with. But you, you don't know, and, use and garbage
2: I, either. I mean, you want to y- use true. something that's wholesome and inexpensive, eight to ten dollar bottle uncooked red wine, dry. Dump it in, boil it. You know, bring it up to a gentle boil, not crazy. Let it simmer, let it reduce a little. Now put the top on, put it in the oven for two, three hours, and. At that point, the short ribs will just be falling off the bone. You can Mm -hmm. take them out, and then you can actually reduce the sauce that you have left over. Um, just by and, putting
0: it back on the stove, yeah, right? Mm-hmm.
2: strain it if you want to get fancy.
0: And as as it's simmering at a low temperature, it's starting to reduce itself, and it gets thicker and more concentrated oh, and in sweeter. flavor. Yeah. This is something— That's my favorite part right there. Yeah, so this is where something that Chris does at yeah, his restaurant it's unbelievable. Is just- Chris made us his short ribs from his restaurant— and it's the best short ribs I've ever had in my I life. Think all of us. It, but said it's that. so complicated. But it's complicated. It's complicated. Four or five, steps Alex is making. These are short ribs that yeah, Alex is talking soft. about. These are
2: realistic short ribs. Yes. Yours had like four bottles of Barolla yeah, wine. Your soft. Despite that was this discussion,
0: these are makeable because we were just having fun with this. All right, stay with us here on the Fuchmoos. We're online at Fuchmoos.org. I am sitting one more mouth-watering bite of the food schmooze ready here's something great to know about sign up for the app called npr1 just download it from the iphone app store or your android device and once you do you can set wnpr as your local station couldn't be easier download the free app npr1 and start listening let's party on more food schmooze This is the Food Moose Party offering the richness of life and coming to you in Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and New York, including Westchester County, the east end of Long Island, and the Hamptons. The senior producer is Robin Doyen Aiken. And to hear the show on WNPR, it airs Thursdays at 3 and Saturdays at noon. Podcasts and our curated recommendations are always online at foodschmooze.com. Dot O-R-G. You can talk with us on Facebook, too. Search Faith Middleton. Okay, we're heading into the height of comfort food season. And here's what happened when we asked you, our audience, to tell us about your favorite comfort foods. Chris Prosperi started us off. He began the conversation for us describing his favorite mac and cheese. And we have that recipe posted now at foodschmooze.org. The
1: first thing, I use egg noodles in this one. Would
0: you do these in in advance? Oh, my
1: gosh. I totally do these in advance. And I love this recipe because it's different. It's not your normal mac and cheese. But... You never see macaroni and cheese Used with egg noodles And I i don't know I just love the texture They're softer They're softer exactly. Yeah Mushier and there's more comforting. protein In egg
0: noodles <laughs> yeah, Because course. they use egg yolks yeah. in, in those noodles And so I like that <laughs> yeah. For the body the So way it cook, it. cook the
1: egg noodles first In boiling salted water Just like you would Cook anything I like them soft So I cook them a little extra I don't know With mac and cheese I love soft noodles So you strain those sets That's a lot of work You don't have to yeah. chew it as much <laughs> That's probably yeah. Alright so then There's two other steps The first one is To make the caramel onions so i take a couple onions slice them thin um, a hot pan add a little bit of oil and caramelize the onions somewhere around 10 12 15 minutes you just keep stirring over a medium heat until they get nice and golden it's a little you know trick you have to learn to caramelize onions but once you got it you got it then again that can be done ahead of time
0: you're just waiting for the onions to get brown yeah
1: lightly golden brown yeah, and they sure. sort of get soft
2: and squishy again and that's yeah. the thing about cumbersome. and they reduce to nothing oh yeah yeah, yeah. by One the onion way will be can like
0: i can cup. i jump in yeah. here is a tip if you want a way to make caramelized onions and not sweat it you just throw them into a slow cooker
2: Oh, good idea. And yeah.
0: and then when they're done, you can just walk away. You well, you can walk away. A, B, when they're done, you can put them in Ziploc bags, oh, and freeze you them. know, plastic bags, and freeze them, oh. and pull out a servings yeah. of caramelized onions whenever you want I them. I have a friend
1: and, that does that with a five-pound bag of
0: onions, so they so always close. have. Okay, so you have so your cr- onions so, so all right, and then we're gonna,
1: then we're going to take one head of cauliflower, chop it up into bite-sized pieces. I toss it with a little oil, a little bit of salt, and roast it in the oven at four hundred degrees for about eight minutes until They get nice and, like, dark, caramelized. They get a little crunchy, a little toasted. Set that aside. So these are the things
0: I can do ahead.
1: Totally. That can be done ahead of time. Okay. And then my sauce is very simple. I take half a cup of white wine, put it in a pan, reduce it by half, add two cups of milk, bring the two cups of milk up to a simmer, and then I thicken it. Cornstarch and water mixed equal parts. So two tablespoons of cornstarch, two tablespoons of cold water. You mix it together with your finger in a little bowl. And then while the milk is simmering, you take a whisk and you pour this in. Done. Take Take it it off the stove. And then you take all those things, onions, cauliflower, noodles, that sauce, and a half a cup of Parmesan cheese. Mix it all together. Put it in a baking dish. Put it in the oven, 400 degrees. I like it where the top gets crispy, so you leave it in for oh. 12 minutes. But if you like it still soft, just warm it up. You could put a little
0: panko on the top. Oh, my gosh. You, you could want.
1: put panko on top, whatever. Breadcrumbs,
0: whatever yeah. you want. So uh, this is on our website right now. If you can't write this down, of course you can, or, or memorize every yeah. single thing. That <laughs> it's fancy saying. mac and cheese. But you know what?
1: If you just took that sauce, the cheese, and the noodles, you'd still be uh, It
0: was so <laughs> delicious. So uh, we have Sarah on the line. By the way, that recipe for the mac and cheese with cauliflower and caramelized onions is at org. Go ahead, Sarah.
3: My comfort food is homemade chicken noodle soup. Yum.
0: Oh, that's a good one.
1: Classic.
3: What I like to do is do a roaster chicken one night, maybe a Sunday night dinner. Save it. Leave it in the crock pot like all day Monday or all day Tuesday with a little onion, celery, carrots leave it all day get the chicken stock from that pull all the little pieces off of the bone and make a nice homemade healthy chicken noodle soup oh.
0: that sounds good do you make the the traditional soup or do you add some snazzy ingredients you know some people will add lemon some people will add parmesan cheese Asian ingredients. How do you do yours?
3: I do nothing fancy. Yeah, no, you just classic. Different. Usually it's just noodles and fresh carrots yeah. and I get a nice loaf of Italian bread oh. warmed up. And- Why are you
1: inviting us
0: over? <laughs> yeah, really? There's got to be, we've got to have a truck that delivers yeah. this kind of soup to your door. This is it. And it's Sarah, we, I love
1: the idea of doing the crock pot, you know, doing the chicken bone and the whole thing in the crock pot yeah. the next day.
0: Sarah, thank you. It makes my life easier. Thank you for calling in. Thank you. So I'm with Chris Presbury and Alex Province. Chris, thank you for that recipe. And Alex, what is your comfort food?
2: You know, I like the standard comfort food, beef burgundy, mac and cheese, meatloaf. But this actually reminds me of my grandmother when I'd go visit her in Spain. And she would uh, a classic Spanish dinner. They eat dinners really late. Their main dinner is lunchtime. But for dinner dinner, she makes these beautiful French fries that are fried in olive oil really slowly. So they absorb this, like, gorgeous olive oil, and they fry beautiful eggs just to the point where the egg yolks are still runny. And those eggs go on top of this pile of French fries, and that with this, like— Whoa. simple but great bread you dip the french fries into the yolk of the egg yeah. and everything is <laughs> forget just forget ketchup <laughs> oh my gosh so to me you know so it's not that's your standard one. comfort food yeah. but it is wow. so delicious
0: let's go over this again french fries and now eggs. is where is she doing she in one skillet she's roasting mm-hmm. the potatoes in beautiful olive oil so, and are they pre-cooked
2: so or? that's the thing my grandmother and it seems like Spaniards cook french fries sort of slowly in this olive oil so it's it's not crisping up it's more sort of like absorbing absorbing, and and, and Mm. their olive oil is so good that you want to eat potato
0: risotto Uh, yes it's really you have to use a really good olive oil for something like that and so then they would take what is it with a a lid on
2: yeah you know a thick bottom pan cover the french fries in olive oil so it's almost you know it's almost like a uh, confit yeah (laughs) poaching Poaching potatoes in olive oil and then i'm with you and they're cooking for 20 minutes or so and and slowly slowly cooking and slowly slowly browning and And they'll take a slotted spoon and put it on a plate. And then in another saute pan, and most of these grandmothers have a designated saute pan that always has olive oil in it, they'll fry an egg and they'll sort of spoon the fat over the top just so that the egg white cooks. But before it solidifies, the yolk solidifies, she takes it out and... Dumps it on, slides it onto the French fries. So nice. then it's just like it's a pile right of beautiful French fries. These soft eggs on top, Give and me then a fork.
0: <laughs> right, We've got uh, Karen. Welcome to the show. What's your comfort food, Karen?
4: Well, you know, after the holidays, you all were reminding me of this soup I like to make, where I take like a can of tomatoes, like whole tomatoes or crushed tomatoes, but some good quality like preserved tomatoes. And I throw them in the oven and, you know, roast them at like 375 or even higher until they completely, you know, roast and most of the liquid is gone from them. And in there with that, I roast garlic and maybe carrots and celery and onion. Mm. And if you roast it long enough, you'll lose that canny taste Mm. from the tomatoes or that, you know, that sense. And they'll start to taste just like great roasted tomatoes if they're good ones. And then you can make your own, like, homemade tomato soup that way with, like, either cream, if you do cream, or I use coconut milk.
0: Oh, that sounds wonderful. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a and that lots
4: make... of garlic, you know, lots of roasted garlic in there. And then wow. you could have it with some crusty bread. But if you're like me and you want to lose a little weight in January, <laughs> like me January too, then, you know, more celery and more onion and definitely lots of roasted garlic, maybe herbs. And you could put giant croutons on it with cheese, or you could just, you know, eat it real simple. Simple, But the cream helps it, too, the heavy cream or light cream or, for me, coconut milk, you know, because oh, yeah. you won't really taste the coconut in there.
0: Yeah, exactly. And if you need to, you can use a low-fat coconut milk. Let Karen, me- thank you yeah. so much for your call. Yeah. Happy New Year. Yeah, you too. Thank you so much. Okay, let's go. We're doing comfort foods, as you know, and I wanted to get to John. Hi, John. What's your comfort food?
4: My favorite uh, thing to make is uh, shrimp risotto with uh, uh, shaved Parmesan cheese on top and a little bit of uh, truffle oil. Mm
0: -hmm. Oh, that sounds so good.
4: That's the, really good. The, the key, though, is to to, to have um, a good stock. You know, a, a fish stock, and I've I've gotten pretty good at uh, finding some some pretty good canned fish stock with, with uh making the risotto. That really helps in the flavor.
0: John, that sounds great. And may I add an idea for you? This is something that I do when I'm making shrimp. I will boil it for just you know a, a flash. I just dip it in there, essentially. Then I take it out. This is sh- shrimp in the shell. I take it out and I peel the shells off and I throw those shells into a bag. And then I throw that bag in the freezer. Mm. And so whenever I'm making anything, I will use either the, the liquid from the cooking shells, you know, or when I'm boiling rice or doing, doing whatever I'm doing, I'll, I'll throw those shells in and then drain them out. And you have an instant real stock. And I was thinking any time you make shrimp, you could do that and you'd have it sitting in your freezer.
4: Actually, I do do that. But I have a lot of risotto so much that I, I don't have enough. don't <laughs> have <having> enough time. <laughs> well, I like your
0: idea just the way it is. Thank you so much, John.
4: Thank
2: you. All right. You can save your lobster shells, too. Every time we eat lobster, we always save the shells and make a great stock.
0: For some reason, I never think to do that. And you're, of course you're right. That's that's a great idea. You can have the stock, not just the shells sitting there, because you can boil the the shells in some water and then just strain the shells out and put it in a Ziploc bag or a couple of them so you have a couple different servings and throw that in the freezer. All right, Anne Faith Middleton with Alex and Chris. Welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? Great, thanks. Good to have you on. My all-time
3: comfort food is homemade pasta with turkey meatballs and a red sauce. Mm-hmm.
0: Turkey meatballs. Now, do you yeah. put – how do you make your turkey meatballs?
3: Um, you soak leftover bread, so it doesn't matter. You know, a few days old. You soak that in water. Then you drain it, and you mush it up, and you put it in with the turkey. You saute some onions. You put that in with the turkey meat, and you put Parmesan cheese, salt, and pepper, and then you put it in the sauce.
1: Yeah. Wow, old school! I like that with, yeah. this, with the softened bread. I remember that from my yeah. mom doing it. So
3: let's it take makes it more moist because turkey can be kind of dry. So if you use breadcrumbs, it, it's almost like a lead ball. So
0: now let's take care of our gluten-free friends. So with with meatballs, which often have bread in them, of course. Uh, This is a a bit of a problem, I mean, a serious problem for people who have an allergy to gluten. Some people have said to me that some of the gluten-free breads don't do well. They kind of melt. No, but they have that
3: gluten-free crumb. Yes. If you take those and you soak them in a little milk, you could do the same thing. I've done that before.
0: That's from a a company in Connecticut called Aleas, A-L-E-I-A-S, Aleas. And they make such good gluten-free products. So you'll you'll see them in major supermarkets. But that's a great idea, Ann, about soaking it in breadcrumbs in milk. Yeah. Love that, that you did that. And then do you make your own sauce or do you use a jarred sauce?
3: We make our own sauce and we make our own homemade pasta, too. Oh, uh, my grandfather did it when we were younger. Uh-huh. And then my mother did it, who's Irish, but she still did it. She learned from my grandfather. <laughs> so every Sunday was pasta and sauce. So. Very
0: cool. Wow, that sounds yeah. great. We want to come over to your house, too. Thank you very much. <laughs> Glad you okay. called. Okay. Bye-bye. We're talking about comfort food here on the show. Alex, Province, do you have another one?
2: <laughs> yeah, sure. I do like what Jacques Pépin used to do: save all the uh, my cheese scraps in my cheese drawer, and then when it's time to make mac and cheese, I cut, you know, and these are like the ugly pieces with the rind. You cut the rind off, and you can do blue cheese and Manchego, Parmesan, all that stuff that accumulates. And then I sort of melt it and make a bechamel and combine it all with a little bit of Dijon mustard, the cooked pasta, and then it goes into the oven. But it gives the more cheese and the more exotic the cheese, the you know, more Finkier, complex yeah. and funky it gets. So yeah.
0: let, let me, I think that is a fantastic idea. Mm-hmm. Now, if, if you want a place to keep your cheese rinds, some people will just freeze them. Mm-hmm. But if you want a place to keep your cheese rinds, I remember that Brian at Darien Cheese in Connecticut said, you know, you can make your own cheese cove." Like he said, I have uh-huh. in the store by wrapping your cheese in parchment or wax paper and then putting it inside a Ziploc bag and keeping it in the refrigerator. He said Mm -hmm. that holds the moisture into the cheese and that's, that's all you need to do. So you can keep it stored that way in your refrigerator if you want. Alex, you said you carved that cheese off of the rind, and it didn't really matter what kind was what. You just were using up all, all right. the old yep. cheese. Then you said quickly, and I made a bechamel sauce, and there you go. Some people hear the word bechamel, and they <laughs> <Sorry>. freak out. <laughs> so let's say, Chris, can you do a translation of what's the easy thing to do to make a sauce for like yeah. you just okay. did?
1: I, I like half and half, but you can do milk, and then all you do is bring that up to a simmer, thicken it with cornstarch again. In a little hot yeah, uh, pot? Yeah, and then it gets one Bay leaf, and you can do a little onion powder, and that's it. Simple. Bring it to a simmer, and that, it's basically a thickened milk sauce.
0: So, could you do milk, onion
1: powder, yeah. and cornstarch? Yeah, totally. You know, I go back and forth between using half and half and milk. Like when I made it this morning, um, I used I used milk. But sometimes I like when you want a little more oomph, I go for half and half.
0: Comfort, it. a
2: little
1: mm-hmm.
0: more comfort. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, okay, the fat content, you mean? Com- oomph. Comfort.
1: For- well, you can, <laughs> you can. You don't get- need to translate. No, oomph. You can
0: get fat-free.
1: <laughs>
4: Fat-free, heavy cream. Okay, go ahead, Mike.
0: Welcome to the Food Schmooze, Mike. Uh, hi, Faye. Thanks for having me. What's your comfort food, Mike?
4: Uh, my wife, Julie, and I on the weekends like to make a home fries using uh, leftover pulled pork. It's, uh, oh, it's actually good really good. I like to make pulled pork during the week, and on a Saturday or a Sunday, we'll mix up with some potatoes, some sliced apples, some sliced onions that we caramelize, add some brown sugar and some cayenne pepper to it, uh, toast and a little bit of oil. And it's, it's a really great Way to start off
0: the weekend. I am starving listening to that. That sounds so terrific. So you make pulled pork using probably a pork butt?
4: We do, yeah. And then we'll put it in a slow cooker for the day, usually. Let it cook mm. for about uh, six or seven hours. Add some seasoning throughout it. Um, for the, both the home fries and the we make you can either add your barbecue sauce while it's cooking or afterwards, and it works for both the home fries and the regular recipe. Oh,
0: and for me, you don't even have to have the barbecue sauce. <laughs> I Just those potatoes and that shredded pork. That sounds so, so good to me. Satisfying. Oh, yeah. Mike, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. Thank you for your ideas on comfort foods. It was a lot of fun to be re-inspired for the coming winter months. The Food Schmooze is on Thursdays at three and nine and Saturdays at noon. Sign up for the show podcast at foodschmooze.org so you can listen on your schedule. In New Haven, I'm Faith Middleton. Everybody, eats when they come to mind.